Welcome to the pilot episode of the In Defense of Fitness podcast. This is Jeffrey Johnson, here to make an intelligent case in the defense of fitness. One's level of commitment to fitness is an expression of one's desire for self-improvement. No citizen has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. What a disgrace it is to grow old without ever seeing the beauty and strength of which one's body is capable. No citizen has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. And what a disgrace it is to grow old and never have seen the potential of your physical self. It's one thing to pursue career goals. It's another thing to pursue personal or social goals. All of those things have value. But what I think most people don't understand is the value of physical goals or fitness goals, physical training. Here on the In Defense of Fitness podcast, one of the things, maybe the only thing I'll be trying to do is make an intelligent case in defense of fitness. And I think this quote here, along with what I hope to share with you over the next half an hour, hour, I really can't tell you how long these episodes will be. If you know me, you know I'm long-winded. But I hope to make an intelligent case in defense of physical training, in defense of fitness. I'm going to spend some time here setting you up, setting you up to understand why I think physical training and what I'll most likely refer to from here on out as fitness is and should be an important part of your life. And whether or not you want to compete athletically, I think starting to look at yourself as an athlete, whether you are fulfilling that potential as an athlete or not, is another conversation. But starting to think of yourself as an athlete is really the first step to taking your physical training more seriously. And as a CrossFit coach, I see people from all different walks of life. People walk through our doors with professional athletic experience, college athletic experience, some dating as far back as high school athletic experience. But honestly, at least half of the people I see have no athletic experience, and therefore they have no understanding of their athletic potential. So I was driven as a coach to create my own methodology, which I'll go into more detail about at the end of this show. But the name that I came up with for that methodology was Athletic Design. Let me tell you the story. My sophomore year in college, I declared as a philosophy and religion major. That year, 
I met a professor by the name of Dr. Michael Kogan. This, this man pushed me intellectually more than I think any individual I've ever met in person in my life. I took a course of his every semester, one of which was titled Being in Time. Now, when I signed up for Being in Time, I, I, I wasn't someone who was longing to get to school to study philosophy. So I really had no idea what the course Being in Time would be about. I probably read a course description somewhere and thought it sounded cool, but honestly, as a philosophy major, I thought all my classes sounded cool. Everything from philosophy of sport to ethics 101 to death, dying, and afterlife. I I thought all my courses were cool. But this one, Being in Time, happened to be about Martin Heidegger's seminal work called Being in Time. Martin Heidegger was an existential philosopher And Martin Heidegger wrote this book, Being in Time, at a pretty important time in world history, somewhere around World War II. And the months I spent reading, writing in the margins of, and rereading this book are probably the only reason why you're hearing the sound of my voice in this way. What did Heidegger mean by being in time? What was that book about? What was that course about? What does it have to do with athletic design? Well, humans all have the potential to be or to live life as full beings in time. Our lives are playing out within a given context, shaped mostly in our early days, by things outside of our control. Yet we are each gifted with the potential to create meaning in our lives. To truly live a full life, to truly live as a being in time, or as Dasein, loosely translated from Heidegger's native German, one must learn to do a few things. Focus on the task at hand, tune out the idle chatter, come to terms with their mortality. Working towards mastery in these three areas will help you create meaning in your life and in turn lead you down a path to living your potential. I will talk more on how fitness can be used as a tool to do just that later on. But first, What does it mean to live your potential or to maximize what Heidegger would have called your throne potentiality? What is throne potentiality? How do we maximize our own? Dasein's existence, so again, a being in time, or Dasein's existence, according to Heidegger, can be defined as throne potentiality. Part throne, meaning out of our control. 
Imagine a piece of clay being thrown down on a table or a given piece of unchiseled marble. The existence of both, the existence of either, isn't random. But much like the universe, there's no order to either. The other part of Dasein's existence is infinite potential. What is that piece of clay or that slab of marble to an artist other than the beginning of the creation process? An artist can give meaning to the undefined as you can to your life if you begin to focus on the things that any design, again, any being in time, can and should. Focusing on the at-handedness of a given task allows you to become hyper-focused on one thing at a time, giving you an opportunity to chip away at a bigger goal piece by piece. Tuning out the idle chatter of others will give you the peace of mind that you are creating for yourself something that's worth it, something that's worth more than the often empty external validation that can come from others. Tuning out the idle chatter and in turn focusing on the task at hand can and will allow you to create the meaning far too many seek outwardly. Coming to terms with your mortality is the only way to properly prioritize your life. A favorite song of mine puts it perfectly. If we were vampires and death was a joke, we'd go out on the sidewalk and smoke. Laugh at all the lovers and their plans. I wouldn't feel the need to hold your hand. Maybe time running out is a gift. Without the fact that we are going to cease to exist one day, because it is a fact, it's probably one of the only things we can be certain of on this journey. But without that fact, how will we know what we should and shouldn't call important. We can't. We need to understand and accept, maybe even be grateful for our mortality. For without it, we wouldn't be able to create any meaning in our lives. Fitness is a tool that can help us hone these skills for use in the real world by allowing us to practice being present, giving us a chance to learn to live our potential, Creating predictable hardships and struggle, or what I call sometimes predictable stress. And it gives us a chance to face our fragility and our flaws as a means to gaining insight into our mortality. We are all athletes existing within a given context. Athletes existing within a given space and in a given time. We are all athletic design. I often use the phrase, fitness is a tool with the athletes that I coach 
What do I mean by that? What does it mean to say fitness is a tool? The CrossFit affiliate I coach in is co-owned by Jason Schroeder. He coined the phrase inside our gym, your life is on the bar. It's a simple phrase. Oftentimes, those are the truest. And I'd like to think that my use of the phrase fitness is a tool is a simple broadening out of his. Both of these phrases speak to the impact that mindful training can have on your life. By learning to come into a training session with a reflective mindset, we can begin to lay the foundation for our ability to focus on the task at hand wherever we are. When training, the task at hand is to complete the given session while adhering to the prescribed stimulus. As a CrossFit coach who also happens to be responsible for the program design inside our three affiliates, the prescription of a given stimulus is something that I take seriously. One's ability to pick the correct weight, to work at the right pace, and to take the proper amount of rest all play into their ability to achieve the stimulus that is prescribed. You know, in the CrossFit space, we describe a workout prescription or adhering to a workout prescription as doing a workout RX. That is the common symbol used uh, when you walk into a pharmacy and you receive your prescription. You have that RX. So in the CrossFit world, the prescription is RX. So if you hear me use that phrase, if you hear me say as RX from here on out, you know that I'm referring to a particular workout prescription, the specifics of a given workout's prescription. As a coach, it's my job to teach athletes how to focus on the stimulus or the task at hand in a given workout. The connections here to living a more meaningful life may not be obvious, but let's think about it a little bit. Let's take your job, for example. Your job has a given stimulus. It has a prescription or a desired effect. Your ability to do the work prescribed to you or your ability to do your work as Rx, meaning adhering to the standards, the rigor, the workload that is required of you at that job is based on that stimulus that's desired. How much work do you need to get done today in order to meet that deadline on Friday? How fast do you have to complete a given task in order to move on to the next in order to get the overall workload necessary completed? How much time can you spend today just idly chatting with coworkers before you have to get back to work and focus again on the task at hand? You see, inside a CrossFit affiliate, inside a gym, inside a boxing ring, inside wherever you are training your body, you have an opportunity, I'd argue, you have a necessity, you have a need to also build in time for mental training. If I'm at work and I've got a deadline 
and that deadline is in two days. It's a fast turnaround. Boss drops something on my desk, and I've got to get work done. Now, maybe there's someone in the office. Maybe there's someone in my corporation. Maybe there's someone in my position somewhere in the world who can do this job a little bit faster than I can. Maybe there, there, there are people who have a, uh, a better ability to comprehend a new task. Maybe there are people who have uh, an easier time adapting to late deadlines or deadlines given to them late. Maybe you get flustered in moments like this. Well, how can your ability to focus on the task at hand in the gym turn over to your ability to focus on the task at hand at work. Well, whether you recognize it or not, your ability to be present in training directly correlates to the ability to stay present outside of training. So when you are focusing in the gym on finding the right prescription, finding the right weight, the right pace for you to move at, it's akin to finding the right pace and the right amount that you need to do in that late deadline situation. Maybe you need to shut yourself off from the world for the remainder of the day, only get up for lunch, because I'm not a big proponent of skipping lunch, need the fuel. But maybe if you lock yourself away and you move at a pace that you might consider fast, but the person next to you might not, Maybe you're pushing yourself to your limits, and maybe you're getting the best quality work done that you can while moving at that rate. That's the stimulus for you, and that's okay. But your ability to recognize that and then to operate within it and stay present and work at that pace dictates whether or not you're going to be overwhelmed and not finish the work or if you're going to be able to stay on task and get the work done. So our ability to stay present and focused in the gym can often and does often carry over into our ability to stay focused while out in the world. Oftentimes, when people start a new training regimen, they set goals for themselves. Those goals are personal. And as you deepen your connection with fitness training, your goals tend to mature. Whether the goal is immature and superficial or mature and deeply impactful, working towards and achieving those goals teaches you that you have the potential to live up to your expectations. We've discussed a bit so far about how training inside wherever it is you train can improve your ability to be present, your ability to focus on the task at hand. Now I want to talk a little bit about how setting goals in training and living up to those goals in training can teach you how to again and again live up to your true potential. For many reasons, a lot of us have it ingrained in our minds that we are never good enough, that we're never enough. Proper goal setting within a training scenario, which sometimes requires the help of a coach, can show you a clear path, not an easy path, not a straightforward path, but a clear path 
towards self-confidence. Let's say you walk into a gym and you've never trained with weights. And, and just to pause here for a second, although you may train outside of a CrossFit affiliate, although you may do things that don't require barbells or gymnastics movements or whatever we do here in CrossFit, most of my examples will come from that realm because that's where my experience lies. But it doesn't mean that these things aren't transferable, aren't transferable to what you're doing. So let's say someone walks into my affiliate and they have a goal of getting stronger. Now, if this person has little to no training background, little to no training experience, that's probably going to happen with relative ease as long as they stay consistent. And by relative ease, I mean three days a week in the gym, make sure they are sleeping well, not drinking themselves into a stupor on the weekends, and coming in here and getting after it while they're here. That's really all it takes when you have little to no experience. If you come in with a more extensive background, we might have to be a little more creative in getting you to realize and then appreciate to a point where you consider yourself stronger than when you walk through the door. But it is possible. The only difference between those two types of individuals is the degree to which we push them. Therefore, the only difference for those two individuals when it comes to setting a goal is how far down the line they're looking to see results. What do I mean? So if I have no training experience and I walk into a gym like mine, if I walk into a CrossFit affiliate with no experience, I'm going to start to see real results within anywhere from three months to nine months. And I mean drastic change. The metabolic change that you go through in your first year of CrossFit, especially when you don't have any training, is remarkable. The things you can do with your body really surprise you. And I'm speaking from experience. I, I, I didn't have an extensive, I guess I did have an extensive background as an athlete, but I, I didn't achieve anything as an athlete. I, I didn't achieve anything great. You know, I, I barely played any varsity sports in high school. Um, I, I played AAU basketball. I moved a little bit, but I was no, uh, I was nothing to be talked about as an athlete. And CrossFit really changed the way that I related to my body. That being said, I don't want to get too far off on a tangent about me. The point being, in your first year of CrossFit, the metabolic change that you see and your ability to move your body and your ability to achieve new positions and do things that you just never thought you'd be able to do is very, very noticeable. Those individuals tend to be able to set goals a little closer, a little shorter term. In three months, I want to be able to do X. In five months, I want to be able to do Y. In a year, I want to be able to do Z. And they can really chip away at a lot of low-hanging fruit. Excuse me, they can really pick away at a lot of low-hanging fruit in their first year, year and a half to CrossFit. Let's look at that other individual, someone who has an extensive training history. They're going to have to set goals out, most likely, a little bit further. 
again, if their idea, if their overall goal is just to get strong, they're going to probably have to set that timeline a little further out. And this is where the ability to properly set goals can make or break you inside a training setting. And this is also where I'll begin the pivot into our personal lives, into the world outside of the gym. If I come into an affiliate or if you come into my affiliate, and let's say you, for the sake of this example, are a former collegiate athlete. Let's say you play D1, two or three sports. Doesn't matter. Difference in degree there. Um, but again, you, you took athletics seriously and you took athletics seriously late into, or at least in the middle, into the middle of your 20s. So you're someone who's got experience moving. You've got experience exerting force, exerting dominance in one way or another in your athletic pursuits. So let's say you walk into the gym and you've never done you've never done anything gymnastics based, but you're you're fairly strong, you move well, and you see a little guy, and by little guy I mean someone my size, about five seven, 155 pounds, doing bar muscle ups or walking on his hands. And you think to yourself, I can do that. I, I'm I, I want to do that. I, I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna get those. But you you set a timeline of I'm going to be able to do that by the end of this class, or I'm going to be able to do that in a month, or I'm going to be able to do that in six weeks. That timeline is may not be far enough out. And if you set yourself up with that expectation of achieving that goal in that short of a period of time, it may begin to chip away and erode some of that confidence that you walked into the gym with. And in order for you to live your potential as a CrossFit athlete, you need the confidence to continue to push through some very difficult things, some very difficult skill adaptations. Walking on your hands isn't easy, especially if you spent 30 years walking on your feet only and you, you, you've barely been upside down since someone was able to hang you upside down by your feet as a kid. You can't have an expectation to walk into a space and be able to walk, kick upside down and walk on your hands in five minutes. But if you do, and you do not have or you lack the ability to reflect on why you may or may not actually be able to achieve that in such a short period of time, then you run up against that whole issue of, second-guessing yourself and questioning whether or not you're good enough and questioning whether or not you were ever really as good as you thought you were. Whereas that athlete who walks in with no experience can much has an easier time seeing skill appreciation and strength appreciation and just overall growth, you're not going to have that same experience. So both athletes and the goals that they set are context and time dependent. Remember, we're all athletic design. We are all athletic beings in time. We must take that into consideration. Outside of work and training, we all have personal goals. Maybe you want to start a side business around your passion. Maybe you want to start working on a project with your family. 
Maybe you need to change careers, but don't know how to get started. The process of properly setting goals within your training setting certainly will have some carryover into properly setting goals in your personal life. If you want to change careers, you may not have the skills to do that tomorrow. Think about that scenario with the collegiate athlete who wants to walk on their hands. You may be really good at what you used to do, but if you want to change your life, if you want to change careers, if you want to do something that you've literally never done before, or at the very least something that you haven't given as much time and attention as what you're currently doing, you need to set that goal pretty far out on the time horizon. And if you set it for tomorrow, you'll most likely be disappointed. If you want to set aside more time to spend with your family by working on some project, I don't know, maybe you want to build a treehouse out back, you're going to have to move some things around. You might be able to get at it this weekend, but then next weekend, maybe there's some event, maybe there's something that takes place and, and takes you and your family by surprise. Maybe your kid or your significant other gets sick and you can't work on it. You can't say, I'm going to have this thing built by tomorrow and not take into consideration the context that that's dependent upon your family being available to help, right? If the whole goal is to spend time with the family, then that's a pretty complex thing to plan for. And you can't set the end date too close. Otherwise, you'll be disappointed. You want to start a side business around your passion, Hello. (laughs) I think I know a thing or two about that. And if I have, if my experience is any, if you can gain any insight from my experience, it's that I quit my job as a teacher in 2015. You're hearing this no sooner than May 2019. That's four years. That's four years, folks of grinding and chasing and reflecting and failing to get to this point where I'm sitting in front of a microphone hoping, believing that you'll listen to the sound of my voice this long. If I had quit my job in 2015 and set a goal for doing anything meaningful Within six months, I would have been wrong. I would have failed that goal. Or I would have conceded and I would have taken an opportunity that would have been very similar to the one that I left. So when you think about setting goals, whether they're in training or in your personal life, the time domain It's a phrase we use in CrossFit. The amount of time that you give yourself to complete that, the amount of time that you give yourself to work towards that, can make or break your ability to actually achieve it. You see, because had I said to myself, you know what, I want to be doing something that I love and that I'm passionate about within six months, the day after I quit my job, I probably... would have packed it up, 
and went back to work and went back to what I knew I could be employed to do, what I knew I could get paid to do, but not necessarily what I wanted to do. Not necessarily doing something that would have been that would have allowed me to check off the box and say that my goal was achieved. You have to give yourself time to learn how to live up to your potential. That takes patience. It takes hard work and it takes dedication. Knowing how to measure self-improvement is necessary for sustained training and for living a full life. Sustainable training year after year is one measure of health. And being able to do things you want to do in your personal life is one measure of happiness. Feeling fulfilled isn't something you do by happenstance. You must learn how to live your potential. Setbacks are a part of any journey we set out on. Fitness journeys are no exception. Do you have a growth or a fixed mindset? Do you approach things with the belief and the understanding that you will improve, that you will get better, and that failures and setbacks and hiccups and obstacles are just the avenue to growth? Or do you have a fixed mindset or do you believe that you are what you are? That your existence is only thrown and that it lacks potential, to bring it back to Heidegger's words. Do you believe in that full phrase? Do you believe in true throne potentiality? Or do you just believe that you're thrown, that everything is out of your control, that you can only point the finger of blame when things don't go your way, that you can only do what you're capable of doing today. That's a fixed mindset, folks, and that's a dangerous place to live. That's a dangerous mindset to operate in. One that says, I'm only as good as I am today. I'll never be better, and even worse, as I age, I'm going to start to crack, start to crumble. I'm going to take steps back. That's a fixed mindset, and it's a slippery slope. You must learn to deal with hardships and struggle against different types of attrition, training year to training year. Your ability to focus on the task at hand in a given workout, i.e. achieving that stimulus that we discussed, despite the stress it causes on the mind and body, is key to sustainable training. Goal setting and tracking is necessary to make sure you're living your potential, to make sure that you're moving forward, that you're climbing that ladder, that you're appreciating skills at a pace and rate that allow you to stay interested, but also stay motivated. But without the ability to deal with struggle, we will never get there. With a fixed mindset, we'll never get there. We need that growth mindset. If we want to move forward, each training session comes with its own struggles. Each cycle in training comes with its, with its own attrition rate, like I mentioned. Each training cycle is going to fatigue you. It's going to stress you in a way that's necessary for your body and your mind to adapt. If you can't deal with that, then you're not going to stick around long enough 
to see the improvement that you want to see, to reach the goals that you properly set far and far out into the future. You'll never get there if you can't deal with a little bit of struggle. You must prepare for that ahead of time. You must deal with that anticipatable stress in a training setting ahead of time by reflecting on what it's going to feel like, what may come with it, what feelings of doubt, what feelings of insignificance, what feelings of failure, what feelings of boredom. You have to be able to reflect that. That does take some time and it does take some experience. And again, it might help to have a knowledgeable coach, but that's just part of the game when you take your fitness or your physical training seriously. Is there a difficult movement in the workout that you're going to do that day? Is there a very, very specific adaptation that you're trying to push in your training cycle that so far has proven almost impossible for you to achieve? If so, how will you react when that predictable stressor rears its head? Will you fall apart or will you have the capacity to take a deep breath and prepare to chip away at it in order to get better at the process. You see, the struggle is the point. There's a company out there, and I really respect them, uh, by the name of Training Think Tank. They operate in the CrossFit space. And they had a video on their YouTube channel and talked about life not being like a journey, but being more like a symphony. And the point of going to hear a, an orchestra play or to hear a band play or even to go to a concert to take it out of the classical classical music realm isn't to hear the last note sung. It isn't to hear the last chord played. It's the entire process. So the struggle is like the music. You don't put on headphones. You don't turn on Spotify. You don't turn on your Sonos so you can hear the last note before you turn it back off. You turn it on for the entire song. Your life from start to finish is that song. And what makes that song beautiful, what makes that song worth listening to, what makes that song important is the process of listening to it. So if the music in your life is created or centered around your ability to deal with, adapt to, and then persevere through struggle, but you can't deal with struggle, unfortunately, hitting the fast-forward button on that song isn't necessarily going to leave you any better off. The act of chipping away during a moment of hardship can take place in a training setting as well as outside of a training setting. You will struggle. How you handle struggle in training is a window into how you handle it in the real world. So analyze how you deal with stress in training and you'll gain insight into how you deal with stress elsewhere. I recently held or hosted a seminar with the other co-owner of my CrossFit affiliate with, uh, I hosted that with Christy Link, 
and it was called functional awareness. And we talked about how to deepen the connection between the mind, the body, and the breath to train sustainably and live a full life, a fuller life. We weren't giving out any any magic pills. If we were, it wouldn't have been a free seminar. (laughs) But one of the things that I tried to relay to the athletes in, in a portion of that seminar was that CrossFit gyms, and again, any training gyms, any training scenario, any training setting, is an incubator where you get to see how you react in some of the most primal moments you can experience. You know, we don't, we, luckily, again, I, I referenced some of those people that CrossFit honors here, the armed service, the firefighters, the EMTs, the police officers, the people who do still live in that fight or flight realm more often than the rest of us, um, you know, we, we, we thank them. But for the rest of us, we don't have scenarios where we can truly test ourselves. And again, I'm not belittling what those individuals do. That's far more than a, uh, just a test of wills. And in, in some cases, it's, it far outweighs. And it, it's not comparable to the stress that I'm discussing here. But, but that's the point. It's the point I'm trying to make. This is an incubator. It's a place where you can deal with. And even those individuals who are a big part of the CrossFit community can come in and they can practice their ability to deal with hardship. And they see, you get to see how you will react when you face something difficult. What does your self-talk like when things aren't going as planned? Do you have negative thoughts that dictate what you do and then send you into a downward spiral? Or are you prepared with a mantra or a saying that you can reliably recite that will remind you of what you set out to do? Do you have a mindset that will catapult you forward? Do you have a growth mindset? One that says, I don't care what this hardship is. I'm going to push through. Or do you have a fixed mindset? One that says, oh, this is the point. I knew I was going to get here. I'm going to fail again. And send you down that really deep and dark rabbit hole to self-loathing and lack of confidence. Your fitness routine can be a simulator. Your fitness routine can be a simulator for life and how you react to things in training is likely how you react elsewhere. Practice having a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset in training and you'll find it easier to transfer it outside of the gym. What makes having a growth mindset difficult is the fact that we have to face our flaws. You can't grow, you can't build on weaknesses that you don't acknowledge. And facing our flaws is hard to do. Looking in the mirror and being honest isn't something everyone can do. You must practice your ability to be honest with yourself if you want to live a meaningful life. Learning to set and reach goals is a part of this process, but accepting that you ultimately will fail to achieve immortality is just as important. Even if you become the greatest athlete, the greatest CEO, the greatest 
whatever you are setting out to be, you will still inevitably lose to Father Time someday. Every one of us will. How does that make you feel? Does your insignificance scare you? It shouldn't. It should fuel you to get the most out of each training session, to get the most out of each day, to get the most out of each interaction, to get the most out of every experience so you can maximize what little time you do have. You see, failing to acknowledge your mortality doesn't save you from it. Remember that song I referenced? If we were vampires, we would go out on the sidewalk and smoke. Vampires live forever. Smoking kills. In life, if you're too afraid of the only thing you can be certain about to acknowledge its power, you miss out on arguably the most powerful catalyst for growth you have access to. Remember, if we were vampires, time wouldn't matter, nor would how you spend it, but we aren't. So call the person you miss, hug the people you love, travel to the places you want to see. You won't live forever. Training forces you to accept your faults if you want to improve and live your potential. Death forces you to accept your insignificance if you want to live a meaningful life. Death is the ultimate shot clock. So to, to bring this all back, what does this have to do with athletic design? What does this have to do with you? Design is a being in time. We all have the potential to be athletic beings in time. And by athletic, I just mean we all have the potential to see where we can push our bodies. Remember, no citizen has the right, no citizen has the right not to push themselves in physical training because no citizen has the right, and by citizen I mean no design, no being in time should live their life without the potential to live their potential. No individual should go through life without seeing how much they could have achieved. Far too often, I run into people who don't believe in themselves because they've spent far too long being told that they weren't good enough. And a lot of times I meet those people and I don't have enough time to show them what they're actually capable of. And I don't do that by working any magic. I do that by pulling back the curtain and pointing directly at their flaw and telling them this is how you fix it. That's not a permanent 
stain on who you are. So what you can't do that muscle up? So what you can't squat that weight? So what you can't kick upside down or walk in your hands today? If you focus on the task at hand, if you are present, if you tune out the idle chatter, if you learn how to live your potential, and if you face that flaw, if you face your imperfection, we can get you there. So athletic design is a fitness methodology that's built from a mindset standpoint off of what we just spent the last hour talking about. The belief that focusing on the task at hand, learning to live your potential, and being honest with where you stand at any given moment in any given time is the only way to truly improve. And it's the only way to truly improve inside or outside of the gym. Now, do you have to do CrossFit to improve from a physical standpoint? No. I would argue that there are few methodologies better. Yes, I would argue that. And if you stick around and you listen going forward, you'll, you'll hear more on that. But it's not the only way. But I, I do think it's superior to a lot of different training methodologies. But the point that I'm making here is that you don't have to do this in order to improve outside of training. You don't have to train physically to improve your life outside of training. But I'll tell you what, you're definitely leaving potential on the table if you're not pushing your body. So athletic design comes from a very deep and lived understanding of what it means to live as design, to live as a being in time who's always trying to take into consideration the context in which things are happening. So when you come to me as an athlete, if we cross paths and I have the opportunity to coach you, my first job is to get you to recognize where you fit and the broader scheme of things. Because then and only then will you take my advice about the stimulus of a given workout. Then and only then will you take my pointers on how to improve a flaw that may be glaring to me, but you may be blind to. Only once I get you to recognize where you actually stand and how you can actually improve will you start to tune out the chatter. And in this case, the chatter is what other people are capable of. So the context that you exist in as an athlete is imperative for me to have an understanding of if I want to coach you properly. And I believe, because I've seen fitness and the impact that it's had on my life and the life of those closest to me, that this is the best tool you can use to change your life because it has the most carryover. I meditate as well. Meditation and mindfulness is a huge part of the athletic design framework. The athletes that I work with most intimately, they get mantras, they get mindset focuses, they get the opportunity to work on those things with me. I, I look forward to that. I look forward to putting things in front of my athletes that I know is going to force them to struggle, but giving them that tool 
to hold on to, to use, to chip away at those bad habits, to chip away at those flaws, to grow and to appreciate their skills, their strength, whatever it is we're working on. So athletic design is really a mix of the mental preparation and the physical preparation that's required to living up to your potential. Fitness, both mental and physical, is an expression of one's state of being. One's ability to train the mind and the body to work in conjunction with each other is directly related to their ability to focus on the task in front of them, the task at hand. I've used the combination of functional fitness, metabolic training, and meditation to transform my life. As a coach, program designer, and mentor, I serve as a tour guide for many through the world of fitness to contentment, self-love, and purpose. Athletic design is a training methodology designed to show you how to start doing the work necessary to live your potential. To learn more about what we offer, visit indefensivefitness.org. If you enjoyed this show, follow along via Instagram at athletic design. That's athletic, D-A-S-E-I-N, for more content. Each week, we focus on having a particular mindset and why that matters, how you can put that mindset to practical use, and how you can embed it into your fitness routine to habitualize it into your life. Something that I have been using during my training sessions and just difficult moments in my life um, for a long period of time is powerful imagery. Um, I like to imagine myself in particular scenarios, um, in particular time periods. I like to embellish inside my head as a means to pushing myself forward. One of the things I'm going to try to do each episode is leave you with an image that you can use or not to do the same. The sword that touches the whetstone daily is never too dull for battle. As design, your mind is your sword. Your body is your armor. It will only carry you through the battle if your sword is sharp enough. Struggle is the whetstone. Learn to embrace struggle if you want to make it through your next battle.